creativity is the single most important skill in the world. LinkedIn Learning, January 2019. 35% of workers are only given up, uh, only given time to be creative at work a few times per year. Gallup 2017 American Workplace Survey. Or my favorite, CEOs say creativity is the number one factor for future success. And that's out of IBM. Creativity is quite a long-standing thing where a lot of people define it in very different ways. And today on Thought Architecture, we're going to look at creativity and more specifically, we're going to look at um, different ways that you can think to arrive at creative solutions. So it's creative problem solving as well, which we could just say is problem solving and not in creativity. So let's kick on. Right. So first of all, let's define creativity. So the creativity, uh, creativity, the noun as defined by Google is the use of the imagination or original ideas, especially in the production of an artistic work. So I disagree with this completely. There's so many people that I've heard say, oh, I'm not creative. I wasn't born creative. I'm not artsy, things like that. The production of artistic work may have been one of the originators for creativity, but Personally, I define creativity very differently, very differently. And so it's the act of combining current knowledge with memories in a way that demonstrates your developed skills and your personality. Okay, so one more time, the act of combining current knowledge with memories in a way that demonstrates you developed skills and preferences. So the, the simple point is that anyone can be creative, absolutely anyone. And think about it much like creativity doesn't require you to actually, you know, make flowers out of thin air, but the act of combining flowers then creates a beautiful bouquet. So the combination of the flowers can be something that's artistic and shows developed skill versus it could be an accidental one-time thing that it looks beautiful, but then nine times out of 10, it's terrible. So Again, with creativity, we've got the idea that bonsai masters used to create all these different styles of bonsai by breaking the mold. So bonsai was initially symmetrical, and then they created asymmetrical designs for that. And then they found that if they did this, they created this type of design and this type of design. And so what's the difference between a bonsai master versus a newbie who just decides that they're going to break the rules and do this thing? Well, very simply put, the newbie doesn't know the rules. Whereas the bonsai master, of course, knows the rules, has learned more than the newbie can, you know, uh, can know. And then they've decided, okay, this is the rule that I'm going to break. I'm going to break it in this way. And I'm going to be creative because I'm going to combine things together. So there's a lot of these different parts um, to creativity. And I think that one of the first parts that we need to talk about is an examination or deconstruction of all the parts where we want to be creative. Literally laying out that bag of snakes. So if you're interested in this, there's part of the deconstruction in the learning series that's much further back in the audios. Um, and if you're interested as well, I do want to make a future one on deconstruction because literally you can deconstruct anything. But I want you to imagine that you're having a problem in your life, okay? So deconstructing something will help you to isolate what are all the parts, what are all the resources available to you right now, what do you have available is very important in terms of creating a plan of action. So I like to talk about three different things. Number one, you have to take note of where you are, right? 
So it sounds stupid, but it's a, of course, it's an abstract location where we're saying, well, I'm in my life. I'm in this point in my life. Um, I'm in this place. I have these friends. And then so we start to list off resources as well, where we say, okay, well, I have these things around me. I have these personality traits as well. And then combining them together will allow me to get to where I want to go. So first, why don't we define where you want to go? Well, I want to go here. And the more you can define where you want to go, you can look at, well, how am I going to use my resources to be able to get there as well and create a vector. So I like to start off with this type of thing of contextualization. First, location, right? De determine where you are. Second, inventory. Okay, determine your resources, whether actual physical resources or their emotional or psychological resources or just information or people could be resources too in certain cases. And then after that, um, you know, we define what is our destination and then obviously looking at where you are with where you want to be, you can determine your vector. How am I going to bridge this gap? How am I going to get from A to B? Okay. So with creative problem solving, um, we need to examine all the parts. Great. Fantastic. So that being said, let's look into the creative thinking types now. Okay. So we're, we've done all of this and now we want to solve our problem. Okay. So there are many different thinking types. This comes from the inspiration of Adam Jorlin. Uh, he wrote a master's degree on the different thinking types, and I've really been inspired by his work. Um, he's on Medium. You can check him out. But I've kind of manipulated what he said. Right. So even the first thinking type is actually not there. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through each of the thinking types, and we're going to talk about how those thinking types approach problems and solutions. Right. Very, very interesting. So the first one isn't even on his list, which is convergent, a convergent thinking type, okay? It's not necessarily very creative, but it's actually very useful if you want to just get stuff done. So convergent thinking types, okay? So how do they understand the problem? If I'm using a convergent thinking type, it's basically my brain is converging onto one solution. And usually that solution tends to be like the most rational, easy solution that everyone else kind of goes for as well. So it really only is one solution. And that's because the brain perceives one problem. And so a convergent thinking type usually comes in when our brain is conforming to how others think as well, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And sometimes it is, you know, people try and be too creative and they conflate the process and they create all kinds of problems for themselves. So sometimes, you know, a convergent thinking type is very useful. Identify the problem, fix the problem. What's the most common solution? So with this type of thing, you can really look at, well, what do most people do to solve this problem? And that is how they understand the problem. There's only one problem that they identify, and it's the most common. And they see one solution to that problem, and it happens to be the most common solution that everyone else goes for. So convergent thinking types. Right. Then after that, we've got divergent thinking types. So if you're thinking about it, divergent is like to split off or to split away. And so literally, this is the idea of thinking about all the possible combinations that we can put all of our resources together that would solve the problem, okay? So um, the easiest way to think about this is to say, I'm hungry, I want food. And you go and look in the fridge and you take a look at all your resources. These are the vegetables, the meats, etc. And then from there, you combine them together in different ways and you're like, oh, I can make a Spanish omelet. Oh, I could make uh, this, uh, that, uh, you know, fried eggs with vegetables on the side or something like that. So the idea is that with Divergent, we come up with a multitude of 
expressions. Okay. And it's just because we're asking like very quick questions. And this depends on your breakdown, your deconstruction, where we could say um, hierarchical, which one is more important? Are the eggs more important than the potatoes or the potatoes more important than the eggs? What do I want to put in greater ratios to another, etc.? What do I want to sequence first, second, third? Do I want to layer this food? And so those types of thinking types, divergent thinking types, usually come up with very strange alternative solutions. And these are the people that typically get called very creative. Okay. And it's seeing multiple solutions to one problem. So University of Texas, uh, what was it? University of Texas, Dallas has got the, uh, the Brain Performance Institute. And one of, the, one of the things that they highly recommend that people do is start getting into the habits to be creative, come up with between um, three to seven solutions for any given problem. So just push yourself, even if they're ridiculous, even if they're not going to be as effective as the other. The idea is that they could be context appropriate, right? So coming up with more and more and more solutions, even though you're ignoring the obvious, it might mean that you get to a place where you're like, well, who would this be good for? Oh, it might be good for this person. It might be good for these people. So if you're like, well, I've got eggs and potatoes and things like that in my fridge, um, you know, you... It, it stands to reason that you would say, well, eggs would be the dominant thing, but combining them together, imagining and divergent thinking as well, one of your solutions could be to completely omit the eggs. And you're like, well, why would anyone do this? Well, maybe they're allergic to eggs. Maybe you've got a guest who's allergic to eggs, in which case that is a very appropriate response. But I want you to imagine that you've never practiced thinking like this and you offer them eggs and they say, I can't, I'm allergic. And you get frustrated because they're just being difficult now because now you have to come up with a solution for them. So practicing this way of thinking actually means you don't, you, you find that you experience a lot less resistance to people's issues, um, to anything that pops up around you because there's always another way. There's always another way. There's always another way. So that's, Divergent thinking. So convergent thinking, seeing one problem and going for the most common solution. Divergent thinking is usually deconstructing the problem and finding multiple solutions, okay, to be very creative. Right. Now, with the next thinking type, lateral thinking. Lateral thinking is just about sidestepping the problem altogether, right? So think that instead of me facing forward, I'm actually just going to shift left and right so that I can see something different in front of me. So the way that I like to think about this is rather the way that lateral thinking works in terms of problem solving is they change the problem. So don't think about the action you take, but think about how you understand the problem. Why is this a problem? So lateral thinking could be a great way to actually dissect and deconstruct the problem, not into its parts, but into its effects what do I want? Money. Well, what do I really want? Well, I want security. Well, how can I get security without money? So that changes the nature of the problem. So it's literally the idea of instead of seeing a problem as a problem, seeing it as something hiding another problem behind it. Okay. A deeper problem. So lateral thinking, I also like to think of it more like layered needs. Okay. So you're, you're peeling back the layer on what you think you need and it actually reveals something a little bit deeper. Okay, so that's lateral thinking. So there, that's quite nice. Okay, now we come up to systems thinking. Now, systems thinking, 
definitely there are people out there much better qualified than I am to talk about systems thinking. The one thing that I will say for systems thinking is that there's usually an upstream and a downstream. Okay, so think about, well, I'm trying to solve this problem. Well, what created this problem in the first place? Can we just fix that and this problem will actually take care of itself? And likewise, what is downstream of this problem? Is there another thing that will just fix this problem downstream so we don't even need to think about the solution because it'll literally work itself out? Or is the solution going to create another problem? So system thinking is quite a nice idea because it's the idea of thinking about time with your problem solving, what was before, what was after. But another way that you can think about it is thinking about it from the perspective of solving two problems at once. Like maybe there's the problem that's upstream and your current problem. So if you fix the, the current problem, great, no more problems. But the one upstream is going to create another one in the future eventually. So combining your solution to make sure that you're taking care of both problems, right? So that's a bigger picture thinking as well. Um, or maybe that your solution downstream is going to produce another effect. And so your solution to your current problem actually um, accounts for this in some way. So that would be your systems thinking, right? Combined and in relation to each other. Okay. So just a quick recap. We've gone through convergent thinking, divergent thinking, right? Which are kind of partners there. Lateral thinking, which is all about changing the goalposts and going layers, and then systems thinking, it's kind of like a partner to lateral thinking as well in that instead of going deeper, it's going before and after, okay? Right, so we've got those two partners. The final two pair that we've got is going to be aesthetic thinking. It's also called beauty thinking, all right? So to approach the problem, a great way to understand this is when we experience problems in our lives, we usually think about problems and we think, okay, well, I've got this problem. Why would I want this problem? Ugh, I can't wait to get rid of this problem. Beauty thinking is about falling in love with the problem as well. That doesn't mean it changes our behavior in our solutions. It just means that we, we don't want to rush away from the problem. We want to solve the problem because it's a beautiful problem to solve. Kind of like a Rubik's Cube. We, we savor the enjoyment, the pleasure. So the way that I like to tell people to think about this is imagine a piece of art or a um, beautiful treat that you're eating, like an hors d'oeuvre or a sweet or something like that, or um, you're sipping something like a fine wine, a brandy, a beautiful cup of coffee. So the way that we think about beauty thinking is, number one, to appreciate the problem. If it's a permanent problem that we cannot change, like a piece of art, like it's masterful, look at this beauty, look at the details and really appreciating it and savoring every single section of it and the piece in general. But if it's a temporary problem, how we consume it and we enjoy it, like each sip, each time we experience a problem, we're like, mm, oh, wow, this is a beautiful problem, different flavor this time. Okay, it sounds kind of weird, but it changes the way that you will interact with the problem. Okay, so practicing identifying problems, not as problems, but as things to experience and to savor the experience. Now, the solutions are going to be the well-crafted solution. So, hey, I need a chair. You know, go downstairs, bang, 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 put a couple of pieces of wood together and congratulations, you've got a chair. Hey! No. <laughs> it's got more to do with this idea of like, okay, cool, well, let's make a chair. Well, instead of just making a chair, let me make a beautiful chair. Let me make a chair that absolutely 
I would want my children to inherit because it's so beautiful. I would be sad to see that anyone throws it away. It's so well crafted that it stands the test of time. It lives longer than my own family. It's so beautifully crafted that it uses no nails. It's that Japanese system of pieces, joints that slot into each other. It's, um, it's all of these things. Plus then carving beautiful things in the side, treating the wood, you know, really putting effort and energy into your solution, which is something that we don't see in our maximum efficiency culture at the moment, you know. What's the least amount of time I can spend solving a problem to the maximum effect? Well, I don't care about beauty standards. Yes, maybe you don't, but there's part of humanity with regard to appreciation of beauty, which lends to happiness, number one. But number two, the idea of putting yourself into something that really requires you to, uh, to put in hard work, effort, energy, requires you to think, requires time and commitment and dedication. It means that that thing all of a sudden now has identified, has been birthed, and it is so much different, so much more than anything else that you could have bought or uh, a quick solve. So I'm sure you can agree with me here. So a well-crafted and beautiful solution is just the idea of putting your heart and soul into it so you've got this beautiful thing. Okay. The final thinking type. The final thinking type is the inspirational thinking. Now, there are a few ways that you can understand this. So every time that you get given a problem, it's a chance for you to change the world. It sounds stupid, I know, but let's, let's just say that you're experiencing a problem of like fighting with your significant other. And you're like, well, how is this an opportunity to change the world? Maybe the idea of you sharing that fight and how you resolved it or something like with all permissions and everything granted... Maybe that is going to be something that people will appreciate and actually it will have a significant impact on hundreds and thousands of people. You don't, you don't know. You really don't know. But imagine crafting a solution that would also then change the world as in, well, we keep fighting because of this thing. So how about if we institute this thing instead or we start up an educational, like an online school on education of how to argue fair or something like that or how to argue in relationships to make sure that you're seen you're heard and that you can come to a resolution peacefully with your partner you know that type of work fantastic so an inspirational problem is really a problem that invites you to solve problems for like a billion people so think about google's moonshots and the solution the solution is going to be something that solves that problem but I would say that a better way to think about inspirational thinking is to think that what is a solution that will make this problem obsolete? We could still experience this problem, but the solution just means that this problem doesn't even register on the radar. So a good way to think about this is that inspirational thinking is actually transcendental thinking. How do we transcend this problem completely? So instead of thinking, oh, I need to watch my money because this month I'm doing this and this and this, you know, inspirational thinking is, well, I'm just going to make more money this month. Not by a little, I'm going to double my salary this month. I'm going to absolutely use this problem to, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not sublimate, it's the other one. It's going to be galvanize, yeah, to galvanize my life. And uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Those are the, the six creative thinking types. And uh, just for a quick recap, 
we were going through creativity. It's the, the definition of creativity. We were talking about, um, you know, the difference between bonsai masters and newbie accidents. And really, I think that this shows my values of skills, not pills. Make sure you've got a developed skill for something rather than taking a magic pill to just make it go away, right? So skills in problem solving and skills in creativity are something close, near and dear to my heart. And then we went through uh, a little bit of deconstruction, the examination of parts. And then we went through these six creative thinking types. So the two pairs are, con uh, sorry, the three pairs are convergent and divergent thinking, lateral thinking and systems thinking. And then we went through and said aesthetic thinking and inspirational thinking. I'm Justin. This has been Thought Architecture. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please leave a five-star review, a like, comment, subscribe, share, blah, 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 blah. If someone in, uh, you know would likely enjoy this, please share it with them. And uh, yes, if you want to communicate with me, if you want to reach out and ask me a question, please do so. I love it. Encourage it. And uh, that's all for me. I will speak to you next time. Ciao, ciao.